This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of the world-famous comedy seller Camacho on Sirius XM 99, Raw Dog, and wherever you get your podcasts. Dan Natterman here, coming at you from our studio <laughs> in New York's historic Greenwich Village. I am all by myself because, well, I'm with Nicole Lyons, our sound person, but uh, as far as the other hosts, they are coming uh, via remote. Noam from his summer residence in Wells, Maine, and Periel from her, uh, I guess, a cousin's house or wherever she is in in uh, in Batyam, Israel. No, is that... no, and I'm not in Batyam, but that's fine. Okay, isn't that the Staten Island of Israel? I think it's more of like the Jersey Shore. Either way, Periel's ashamed of. But her that's words. not. Not where I am. <laughs> they're, first of all, they're not my roots. And second of all, I'm not ashamed of it, but it's also not where I am. Uh, we have Nick Griffin joining us in a little bit uh, to discuss his new special. And also we have uh, a discussion with Dr. Richard Heyer, who uh, has written about the neuroscience of intelligence. And we'll talk about, I guess, IQ and now, did you, did environment we, and sort of did, probably be a little controversial and uh, who knows, we might get uh, some backlash, but anyway. Did we, yeah, go ahead, Noam. Did, did we ask him to speak slowly? Who, me? Because Periel is in Israel. You're really <laughs> treading on thin ice. <laughs> really thin yeah, ice. I, you know, you don't, I don't know what kind of good connection you have. I saw him to speak slowly so you can uh -huh. understand him. Okay, yeah, well, you can tell him that. You can tell him okay, that, and okay. we'll see him. Um... <laughs> Noam, I want to. I want to thank Noam Dorman for um, hosting me at his Pub house. Publicly, publicly, he's publicly thanking me. Go ahead. I'm publicly thanking Noam. I don't think it's the first time, but it is the first time that I uh, spent uh, a couple of days at his summer residence in Maine. He invited me up there, uh, and I went for uh, two days. And uh, I, I, when I arrived, I put my wallet. I took out my wallet. I put it on the table in my bedroom that he gave me with neither the intention uh, nor the need to touch it for two days. Noam, it's an all, Noam paid for everything, and I thank you for that. Uh, there was lobster. There was oh, steak. Can, can, can you start again? Can you say that again? I said I want to thank you for, for, for you know, for not. You took, your, you took your wallet and what? I took my wallet out when I arrived yeah. at your house. I yeah. put it on the table. With yeah. no intention of picking it up for the next two days. Thankfully, thankfully, what's that, Noam? What what kind of person does such a thing? Well, I assumed that you would pay for everything. Of course, if you if you didn't, I was prepared to to pick it up. But I had anticipated a full, uh, you know, full treating, and that's what I got. Oh my God! That's Maybe the last no, time you caught. You're yeah. out. You're out, Dan. Well, I just say why? Why would you? Why would you assume such a thing? Because Noam generally pays for shit when, <laughs> when I am in his presence. Uh, so I figured. It, I, I figured that. Isn't what, it? What happened? Isn't sort it, of now, had he not done so, I would have picked up my wallet, um, and 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 used it. But I didn't anticipate that because I know how Noam is. Oh. But isn't it sort of the thing that when somebody invites Noam, you to go some? Yeah, go ahead. Is <laughs> is isn't sort of the thing that when somebody invites you to go someplace that generally the person invited would like pick up a meal or several meals as a gesture of thanks for I that think, invitation? I, that, that may be the case in general, 
but when the income disparity mm. is, is is sufficiently vast, um, <sighs> I, I'm not so sure. If, 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 please let me know if I'm wrong. Um, and I also know how Noam is. I, I, You're I, wrong. Maybe I could have gotten a bottle of wine. Fair enough. And if I if I'm invited back, uh, I will do so, or or some dessert or something of that nature. But uh, but um, but in any case, um, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're wrong. It has nothing to do with um. Well, when you you you've been to Maine, what did you pay for when you got there? I'm speechless. Um, I don't know. I I don't I don't recall, but um, I can say that certainly. Regardless of Maine or any place else, if I'm ever invited someplace, that wasn't the I question. certainly the question do is, my... What did you pay for when you were in Maine? I really don't remember, but I'm telling you that you said, tell me if I'm wrong, and I'm telling you <laughs> that you're wrong. You might be, I might be wrong in the general case. Nick, just to just to keep you out there, we're here with Nick Griffin. He just arrived. Nick, I went to Noam's house in Maine for two days, yeah. Wells, Maine. And I mentioned that I didn't anticipate spending any money when I got there. I spent money getting there. More, more than I had anticipated, but that's that's not <laughs> Noam's issue. Um, the rental cars are expensive, uh, Nick. But in any, I should have I should have flown. But by the time I you rented a car from here, yes. Oh, that's got to be a now. Now I could have taken a plane, but by the time I got her, I did everything last minute. So by that time, the flights were just as expensive. But and I figured, you know, have some freedom, and and I don't drive very often, so it's kind of I kind of enjoy it. But um, so I'm saying that when I got there, I I I put my wallet away and didn't anticipate using it. Nor did I offer, um, and and Perilous oh. was outraged, and and Noam may or may not be outraged, or maybe feigning outrage. I don't know, but but Noam, I, I know how Noam is, and I also understand that Noam is is you know he's the big Kahuna here. So uh, do you think that, that has nothing to do with anything? It doesn't matter. That's not how you measure these things. And you're supposed said, to be you're, you're supposed to be you reciprocal. For when you were in Maine is the question I asked you. This is the third time. Do you recall anything that you paid for when you were there? And by the way, you come it with was... your husband and, and son. It's an even bigger imposition. <laughs> <laughs> if Nick, do you have anything to say? Well, I was going to say I, I I probably would have just as a, you know, gratuitous, I should have gotten a coffee cake. Your gratuitous right. gesture picked up uh, maybe one dinner, you know, one dinner. That would have been there. You I mean, it, was, it was nine people. up. There. I, well, I know, but <laughs> that one dinner would have, would have would have cost you about five hundred dollars. <laughs> These are the things we have to do as adults. Uh-huh. I, I I guess I, I I felt like a kid when I was up. I felt like no one was daddy and I was a kid. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was rather an enjoyable experience. Noam took us to the water park, by the way. He dropped five bills. Because he took the whole crew. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, noted, Noam, noted and grateful. Does that count for anything? It does count. It counts for a lot. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, went on the water slides and the roller coaster and, and it was, oh like my the- God, can I tell you something? Go ahead. It's not, it's not too late, Dan. You can send, um, a thank you. Oh, no, it's too late. No, 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 it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sent a very nice text uh, when I left. Yes. Saying that I thank you. And, uh, if you'll have me back again, uh, I will bring a, an assortment. <laughs> okay. so listen what dan is touching on a on a very a very interesting issue here and i and i experienced this um on both sides because i was invited on a very up on a yacht cruise 
in July by a man whose um, the, the disparity of my income to his probably exceeds Dan's income to mine. I'd say it certainly does. And uh, of course, and he's he's a, he likes to pay for everything, blah blah blah. And um, and I and I like he, I think uh, are happy to pay for everything. It's not even like it's not an issue. On the other hand, you, you know, um, when someone expresses it in Dan's words, it is it is it's, it's like it is like oh, I guess yeah. So that's that's the way they think. So. You know, I, I, all I could say is that to, on the one hand, I, I, I would like to pay for everything because you're my guests. On the other hand, if it was my kids and I was sending them on a trip, I would tell them, you better not fucking let him pay for everything. You better you, know, you pay, for, pay for something. Don't, you know, because that's what you're supposed, you know, you have to be a mensch. Um. So I would never want to raise, I mean, speaking frankly, I would never want to hear my son, Manny, on a podcast expressing what is the, what is the truth? You know, Dan's just telling the truth. But like, I can't, I can't fault him for the truth. You know, he knows the score. I get it. On the other hand, uh, there's, a, there's a certain diplomacy of everything that you just, certain things you just don't say out loud. I don't, I don't know, Dan. It's like, well, but I also, well, I, know, I, I also know you and I know that you typically pay for shit, you know, so. Um, I know. So that's another factor. Well, I mean, since we're talking Perry about it, so, so, so Periel, these, these motherfuckers, first, let me tell you, let me tell you what it extended to, Periel. This is, we went to the movies. We went to the mm-hmm. movies. Well, I, I paid for to, everybody. I, I didn't go to the movies. Oh, I didn't go to the movies. I, we, we go to ice cream. I pay for everybody. Like, like even, even the smallest amounts of like, they'll make say, no, I, 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 we're getting like three scoops of ice cream. No, I got this. Nope. Daddy pay for the ice cream. Was I the only one that that let you pay? (laughs) No, no. Okay, so so. so Okay, but I'm 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 here to tell you that perhaps it's 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 so funny, and of course, you know, (laughs) it it's one might if they were you know insufficiently politically correct draw conclusions. I don't know. I, I don't know what to say, but I know Nick is thinking. Jews, I know, I know oh. that's what he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie, I'm Nick. So go ahead, go ahead. Well, but 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 there's Jews on both sides of this equation. There's the Jew that wouldn't pay for anything, and the Jew that paid for everything. So it's kind of uh, a wash. I'm the exce- <laughs> I'm the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm here to really set the record straight. Having been on the receiving end of both Noam's generosity and other friends of mine who are also very generous and very wealthy, and I'm I mean perhaps Dan really doesn't know, and so I'm here to share the information that it's really not a question ever of somebody's wealth. The, the point is, is that there, there should be some reciprocity. You never want to let a host pay for everything. It's just in poor taste, if you will. Well, noted, but, uh, I, and I said, I will bring an assortment ne- next time. If there is a next time, I do want no, to talk to, it, yeah, go ahead. So, so, so I just, so, so, cause I, I did notice it. So 
So it's true. It, it's not. It's not. It makes no sense for Dan to pick up a meal or whatever because not only is it nine people, but it's nine people he doesn't even somebody he doesn't even know that these are not his guests. It, it's it's okay. Beyond. It doesn't have to be a meal. It doesn't have to be Let a meal. I'm not it. saying that. But I I did notice that Dan was in there. That when extended to the movies, so for instance, I just imagine that if I had been in the Dan wasn't at the if I had been in the shoes of some of the other people, I said, oh, it's three of us. We're going to the movies. This is my chance. To, to to kind of make an affordable gesture of 40 bucks or whatever it was, it was you know this is you know but nope they all just sat there dum 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 what do you want what do you want popcorn i want a popcorn i want a diet coke and nobody paid for a fucking but let the record thing. show i wasn't at them there was these were other people uh you wouldn't have paid if you had been there. no i wouldn't have but i would have I I, and i would have gotten uh, extra extra uh, large popcorn with juji <laughs> very very so, poor taste so I have, and, and I know some some people say it's not the money, but I think you all know me well enough. Really, I couldn't care less. As a matter of fact, it's worth every penny to have this story. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's this is this this story is well worth the fifty dollars it cost me. But but the, the fact is, I I see something of how money corrupts people, and they and it 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 infects their character. Uh, in a way which is uh, not good, you know, and I I do think that at, at some point I, I won't speak for Dan, but to feel like a man, you, you got to step up sometimes, you know. Otherwise, you feel. Why, what about a woman? What? what why can't you feel like a woman? Uh, why does it obvious? have to be a man? <laughs> um, you're right, but nevertheless, I I stand by my old fashioned. Uh, that um, if I came if I came by myself, I wouldn't want you guys to pay for everything all the time. No, I, I, no you, I, I know you. I know you and you, you and uh, your, your husband are not like that at all. I know that. And any, case, I'm saying even if I came by myself, though. I I know I I get that I understand and I and I and I will endorse that is absolutely true. I I know you. Apparently, if we go up at the same time, we can we can split a uh, we can split a, a bottle of uh, Chianti. Okay, Nick Griffin is with us. Nick is a comedy seller regular. He has been for some time. He's a veteran like myself, and he's got a special out. Uh, he put put it on YouTube, which is how it's done nowadays. Nick, uh, please tell us if, if you would about, sure. about your special. What's well, I taped it at the lovely uh, Fat Black Pussycat Bar about uh, thinking about ten months ago, and uh, fiddled with it a little bit, and had it edited, and sat on it for a few minutes. And then uh, and then I just put it out like a week ago. So uh, I'm excited and um, grateful that the uh, the lovely uh, fat black pussycat uh, comedy seller, you know, kind of umbrella allowed me to do it there. It was uh, it was it was cool. And I like it now. I hated it when I first saw it. And now I, I like I watched about 20 minutes, 10 minutes of it today. And I liked it. So. Well, what's it called? Absolutely wonderful. OK. Everyone I know smokes pot. Old, young, total. It's like mainstream now. Now pot is mainstream. Now more people smoke pot than eat bread. <laughs> yeah. More people smoke pot than eat bread. You know what that means? That means bread is edgier than pot. <laughs> that means if you go outside after the show and there's a guy smoking a joint next to a guy having a sandwich, 
the guy smoking the joint's gonna be like, this guy don't give a fuck. <laughs> That's pumpernickel. <laughs> You're supposed to eat that with somebody else. How much time did you put in the coming up with the name? Because I spent not a, a minute, not even at all, really. I, I don't even think I had a second idea. I didn't even think this one was great, but I didn't think it mattered. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, we discussed on on this podcast, my special, which we should we call it. It ended up being a little bit bananas. That was Periel's suggestion. Referencing my referencing by banana joke and the fact that I'm a little bit bananas, but. You know, part of me was like, yeah, all right. I mean, obviously, you want to have a good name, but I don't know how much, how I much don't it think matters, it really, no. at the end of the day. I, I guess it arguably it's good for the algorithm if somebody's um, searching shit. You know, I don't know. I, I would guess that if you took all the energy that it takes to think, you know, in days that thinks to take up a, to come up with the idea and put it into marketing, it would have probably be more valuable to just market it like put more money into the algorithm person and the promotion person like that. It's all that's all it is anymore. It's it's just you got to get people to get eyes on it. And I don't think I can't imagine a name turning somebody off. I mean, obviously, there's certain words that would. But there's certain words that might pop up in a search. Yeah, this is the thing. So so your your hope is, I guess, what in everybody's hope with a special is that three million people watch it and then you can go on the road and people will come. Sure. Yeah, that would be wonderful. That's, uh, you know, I've been doing it for so long and um, I have been late to the game in terms of marketing and uh, trying to uh, accumulate followers. And I poo pooed the whole just every aspect of uh, social media. I just I didn't think it was going <laughs> to last or work or be something and it ended up being huge and uh or being really the most important thing um at this point well when when, when dane cook when dane yeah. cook when dane yeah, cook I became didn't... huge from myspace that should have clued us in i know i did that, that social media is important but i'm i'm with you i even after dane cook i'm like ah who cares about posting shit on instagram right i didn't you know. it, it's, it's just basic marketing and i didn't uh it didn't soak in so um but again, you know, the special's real good and I'm glad I I'm glad I did it. And um, you know, I've gotten some nice people to uh, you know, recommend it and stuff on Instagram. So it's it's good. Do you think having a special with a particular theme is nowadays is good? Uh, even if your whole special doesn't talk about it, like Gary Gullman, the Great Depression, okay? It wasn't every joke, but it was a lot of it was about depression. Right. Um, you know, um, uh, Mulaney was, all, was mostly Quinn about that, I think. right. Mulaney's was mostly about rehab and drug addiction. Right. I don't know. Do, any thoughts, Noam, about about a thematic? Your, your mine is just jokes, and no two jokes go in the same direction. Right. As yours, would you say that? Basically, kind of yeah. I have three or four jokes on a subject, then I move on. And uh, so I don't know, Noam. Do you think, from a marketing standpoint, or from a from a fame standpoint, or you know, these these comics that do that hit a particular theme issue issue well when we were at the ice cream place dan did uh, it even occur to you <laughs> maybe well, my next special will be called but uh but, but i'm sorry I, what were we talking about no we're talking I'm, about I'm just, I'm just thinking about the dilemma i'm in now okay so, uh, so to be uh, honest with you, it didn't occur to me to <laughs> pay for my peach ice cream which was delicious yeah so anyway so uh do i think it's good to have a theme I think that it's good to be funny as hell. 
And uh, with Gary's thing, um, it, it was more than a theme. It was something extremely uh, unusual, you know, uh, delve into mental illness. And he, he didn't just make jokes about it. He actually also had uh, not non non funny insights into it, which were actually to me more compelling than the standard material. Not that the stand, you know, I'm, I'm his biggest fan, but I mean, in terms of like making it setting apart from other things yeah. that you might go for your stand up watching time, uh, that that's what really made it riveting. Similarly, with um, something that didn't get as much attention, but I think is equally good, Al Bell's uh, mentally Al is that what it's called? Well, that's a documentary, a not a special, but yeah. Well, Gary's thing is like a documentary, isn't it? I don't know. I, I oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah, you, yeah. you didn't watch it? Whether I watched it or not is not the point. The, the point is it was, <laughs> it was stand up. What kind of fucking friend are you? You leech <laughs> off me. You don't watch your friend's specials. How do you live with yourself then, Adderman? I'm a flawed individual. I'm like, I'm like, I'm making adjustments and, and I'm doing forward. my best and I'm trying to improve where I can. And... <laughs> but in any case, watch Gary's special and you yeah. had the nerve to bring it up. It was a special. I know what it's about. And I, and it was a special, it wasn't a documentary that I, that I know. I think that it's totally fair to say that it had um, documentary aspects to it. But no, no I remember it as a documentary. No, it was a comedy special, but it was not a right. It had so was Al LaBelle's. So was Al LaBelle's comedy special by any stretch of the imagination. Right, right, right. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I yeah, think like okay. Noam was saying earlier. I think Al's story was so compelling that that it it, it and watching him and looking at him and seeing how he maneuvers through the world was. It, you know, I, I would have watched it if he was, uh, you know, a mechanic or something. It was, but I've known and mm. loved Al for years. So, well, I, yeah, I my kid, yeah, I said my kids were were captivated by Al LaBelle's special. Right. My son Manny still remembers some of the jokes. But, 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 the, yeah. I mean, it was there was stand up in it, but ninety percent of it was not stand up. So I you know, was not was That's, not he, jokes. I guess so. I, I remember them having, you know, ha the hazy memory that we can ask our next guest about. Um, I remember them as being quite similar in terms of the overall the way they impacted you. I, I, you definitely heard a lot of Al's material. You heard a lot of Gary's material, and that. But the but the really interesting thing ab about them was to see the people behind them and how unique their stories were, and how they were combating and trying to overcome these. Right. These, I, 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 don't, I don't I don't I don't call it mental illness or whatever it is, but they're, uh, no. you know, neurological novelties. <laughs> well, I, I meant there's nothing wrong with. Using Why don't you want to call it mental illness? Well, you could say OK, our illness. next guest will be joining. Oh, um, OK. On a related note, Keith Robinson also has a special coming out on Netflix. I'm not sure when it's going to. Uh, I hate to say the word drop because it just doesn't feel like it's me. So I'll say when I don't know when it's coming out. To beat Nikki, it just seems drop is just like hip hoppy or oh. it's too young, it's too cool. It's, mm -hmm. You know when when it's going to uh, appear on Netflix, I don't know. But Keith Robinson, who suffered a stroke and had to deal with that, I I find him riveting when he comes when he performs here, and I I go and I watch him, and I don't watch many people. It's, well, um, Dan, maybe, maybe you should introduce Richard. He's there waiting, and then okay, maybe you can. 
Well, though it wasn't really on the list, maybe you should uh, ask him any questions about Keith Robinson, who had a stroke, because this is right up this man's alley, I believe. Okay. I mean, if, yeah, sure. But anyway, Richard right. Hire is with us. He's a, a professor emeritus in pediatric neurology of the UC Irvine um, School of Medicine. and has a PhD from John, Johns Hopkins, and he is the editor-in-chief of the journal Intelligence. And we are uh, lucky to have him with us, Richard Hire. How do you do? Thank you for joining us today. Hi, guys. Good to be here. Richard, just to give you some introductions. We, I'm here. I'm Dan Natterman. I'm a comic. Noam Dorman is the owner of a the comedy seller comedy club. Periel Ashenbrand is a friend of ours and a comic. And uh, Nick Griffin <laughs> is a comic. And he's here in studios. So now you know who everybody is. And let the games begin. <laughs> Noam, I assume you have. So uh, do, do you want to do you want to bring up? Well, I, I, have, I have stuff to ask, but but just because you brought up Keith, do you have any? Well, Keith, so we have a comedian, uh, Keith Robinson, who had two strokes, and uh, you'll be interested. He, he just got a Netflix special, and he's um he's impaired. He can't. He slurs his words a bit, and he limps. He lost. He has weakness in one side of his body, but but mentally, he seems exactly the same as he ever was. Uh, how is it that you can so often have a, a stroke like that? And it pinpoints various things, but, but somehow do, it doesn't affect your intelligence, or it seems to. Well, <clears throat> first of all, I'm glad to be here. Well, and, welcome. Uh, when you originally contacted me, I thought, man, this is uh, the most unusual invitation I've had, uh, comedy seller. But I, and I di didn't have a set prepared, so I was thinking, <laughs> man, this is, is going to be tough. Uh, so the first question you asked, I have to tell you, I'm not a clinician and I'm not an MD. So I don't uh, have any experience at all with stroke patients. What I do know in general, the answer to your question uh, is, uh, first of all, depending on how old he is, he has a pretty good chance of recovering full uh, mental function, uh, depending on where the stroke was, how how big an area of brain damage there was. Um, and it is the case that strokes and other kinds of brain damage can damage one part of the brain that is not that relevant for some mental for some other mental abilities. So speech is a complex, mental activity. There are a couple areas in the brain that are extremely important for speech. With time, uh, damage to those areas, uh, with time, the brain um, either heals those areas or uh, the surrounding tissue takes over the function of those areas. Uh, and that's really kind of a compensatory uh, mechanism the brain has. So I don't know this particular case, uh, the, a critical uh, variable is how old uh, a person he is. All right. So I, you know, just a, a, a shot in the dark. So, okay. The, the reason I am enthralled by you and happy to have you here is because I'm always focused on the issue of intelligence. First of all, I have three young children and I desperately want to do whatever I can to give them the ability to uh, achieve the, the, their full potential is the way I see it. Their full potential in terms of uh, their intelligence and their um, intellectual function. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not one who believes I can, I can get them smarter than they were born, but I think that some will never, I, never figure out how to be as smart as they can be. 
So what is your general feeling about our, is our IQ something we're born with and there's nothing we can do about it? Well, the short answer is yes. The longer I told answer, you. The, the, the longer answer is more interesting. Uh, and the longer okay. answer is uh, really is based on what we understand intelligence is. And some people have a simple definition that intelligence is just the opposite of stupidity. And we know it when we see it. Um, other people think uh, slightly more sophisticated that intelligence is individual differences in learning and memory, because some people learn faster and better than other people. And uh, some people have a much better memory and can memorize more things quicker than other people. So why is that? Uh, both, uh, both, um, both of those things are related to intelligence, uh, learning and memory. Uh, people who do research on intelligence have a more technical definition, but it's a common sense definition. Uh, the, um, the definition that most researchers use is that intelligence is a very general mental ability that is common to all mental abilities. So intelligence um, really uh, is this general ability called the G factor or G. And uh, it comes from the empirical observation that all tests of mental ability are positively correlated with each other. So that if you do well on one test, you tend to do well on all tests of mental ability. And the G factor can be estimated in people irrespective of the content of the test. So it's not just verbal. It's not just uh, numbers. It's not just spelling. It's not just analogies. It's what's common to all those mental abilities. And so it's a general, general ability. Does that make sense? It's, it's general reasoning ability. It, it does make sense. And I, I, my own personal like feeling, well, before I tell you my personal feeling about it, how does that jibe with the idea that some people can have very, very specific abilities? Like for instance, I learned that Gary Kasparov, the chess player, has an IQ of like 135. I read that somewhere. Now, 135 is a very high IQ, but you wouldn't think that would be the IQ of the greatest chess player in the world, right? So how it, so, so it's apparent that he has some pinpointed ability and, and pinpointed abilities obviously exist in all sorts of things. How does that account? How do you account for that? Yes, people uh, have a, everyone has a different pattern of mental ability, strengths and weaknesses. So I'm a terrible speller, but I can do me too well. And um, doing numbers well, not that so important in everyday life anymore because we have calculators. Doing being a bad speller now has become irrelevant to me because I have word check and word processing. Uh, but there are different patterns of cognitive strengths and weaknesses. And a, a, it, grandmaster chess players are an interesting example because they tend to have higher than average IQs, but they're not kind of the mental geniuses you might imagine. Uh, 135 IQ is around the top 1% uh, 
uh, of the population. Um, so that's pretty smart. Uh, but um, we see this uh, thing you're talking about of being very good in some mental abilities and not so good in others when we talk about savants. So, you know, a, a savant is someone with an extraordinary mental ability who can, can right. read a book by just flipping the pages like this, scanning next page, and, and then remember everything. Uh, we've had uh, some, they're very rare, but there are some fairly recent examples of people who can do this. Yet this particular person that I'm thinking of, his IQ was so low, he could not take care of himself. And his father Jesus Christ. devoted his life to taking him around and uh, being sure he, he was okay. Uh, he actually performed in front of audiences where the audience would call out questions like, uh, uh, who was Henry VIII's fourth wife? Where was she born? And when did she die? And he could immediately tell you the answer to that question because he had read a whole bunch of historical books. Uh, and albanacs and, and things like that. Uh, so that was an example of someone with an extraordinarily but narrow mental ability, but very little of the G factor. Yeah, I read somewhere um, that people. So to, mem to memory, yeah. So I read somewhere that people that are that there are a, a certain number of people that are extremely gifted with languages, with language learning that inevitably aren't that smart. And that kind of makes sense because children are great language learners and they're not that smart, but yet the dumbest American can learn English or the dumbest person in any, in any, uh, you know, country learns their native language quickly and well, and, and it, veritably, uh, veritable geniuses at language learning. At, at language learning, that, that's right. And there are complicated brain maturation things uh, in early life that account for that. Um, so yeah, we, we know that uh, separate mental abilities exist, but they're not completely separate. They are related. So people who are, whereas, as you say, everyone essentially learns to speak their native language. Some people are not, become novelists and are very verbally gifted and other people can't do that with language. So there are vast individual differences in language ability within uh, a population of native speakers. All right. Now, let me let me tell you what my my life experience has been. I have been I was always very smart. I always did very well in school. But as I got older and I became um, more distracted, less I, I, I can remember being young and just being able to totally focus on whatever it was in school. By the time I got to college and I had to take the LSATs, I had a lot of trouble. And um, I, I took a practice LSAT and I, and I just could not focus. And I, I just walked out. I said, whatever, whatever, case or I'm going to take it. And then, but when I went into the actual test, for some reason, and I can remember to this day, and I've spoken about it, time slowed down. I had absolute focus. And I, I can remember, like, I remember the problems, some, some of the problems I had to this day. And I got virtually everything right. I got a very, very high score. I could have never gotten that score if it was on, if it was not under actual test conditions. And so I, I became open to the idea that um, some aspect of intelligence, in, in my mind, is 
a batting average in the sense that some people can get the same task right over and over and over. They seem to be impervious to any kind of stress or anything like that. And other people, they have the ability to get these things right, but they can't get them right as, as predictably because for, for whatever reason, I suffer that way, they can't always get in the right headspace to uh, think about it like a computer where you control alt delete and all the processes going. For some reason, there's always a lot of bandwidth going on with me and I can't seem to devote it except in certain moments, I can't devote the full bandwidth that I'm capable of to the problem at hand. And, uh, and I've noticed that some people don't have that issue. I don't think they're smart than I am. I might even think I'm smarter than they are because I know like when I'm in the shower and I'm thinking clearly, I will exceed their, their ability. But I can't get my mind on track a lot of the time. Is that any, any comments on that? Yes. What you're describing is the uh, difficulty of measuring the G factor. There is no direct measure of the G factor. It's estimated. And an IQ test turns out to be a good estimate of the G factor because a standard IQ test has subtests from different mental abilities that are all combined into one number, one IQ score. But an IQ score is not the same as the G factor. Uh, any standardized test like the LSAT or the uh, SAT is an estimate of the G factor because they all involve reasoning, the different kinds of reasoning. And under some circumstances, you might be reasoning better today than yesterday. So for example, if you take an IQ test when you have the flu and 102 temperature, you get a score. A month later, you take another IQ test and you get a different score that's better. Clearly, the second time you took the test, that score is a better estimate, a more valid estimate. And that's why for students, students are allowed to take the SAT multiple times and universities usually only count the best score. Does that make sense? Now, yeah, it makes sense. I, I uh, just... Um... And by the way, do, do do SAT scores go up with people take Adderall like this? Has that been measured? Uh, there's not good research on that. You know, if Adderall or another drug helps you pay attention a little bit more, um, then you're paying attention more and maybe your score might go up because you can finish one or two or three more items in the time allotted because you're working a little faster. It doesn't necessarily make you more accurate, though. It doesn't make you smarter. Now, now, doesn't make you smart. Now, what about things like talents, like comedy? Like you're here, these two guys here. These are these are Ed Periel. These are some of the 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 really the the most gifted comic minds. They're smart guys. I don't think they're super geniuses. I don't think any, any of this are. Uh, what? Um, but isn't like what distinguishes talent from G factor? Well, that's an excellent question. I mean, uh, they're, they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. And talents are more specific, but they're not unrelated to the G factor. So think of all the comedians that you know, 
you could probably, at least in your head, rank order them in terms of how smart you think they are. And um, I do that all the time. Probably yeah. none of them. I don't think you'd say any of them are dumb because it takes a certain amount of intelligence to have insight into the human condition, which is often the source of humor. It takes intelligence to verbally craft a joke. I've tried to make up jokes. It's not an easy activity. Well, can I interject? Because this is my uh, my uh, my field. Um, first of all, you'd be surprised. Uh, I'm not saying comedians. They're, <laughs> they're dumb comedians, but there there are comedians that who, whose level of intelligence is probably uh, unimpressive. Um, Do you want to say who? Uh, no, of course I don't. Uh, but I do. As far as writing jokes, if you, I think there probably is a correlation between IQ and writing good jokes. There's some comedians that are known as good joke writers. I happen to be one of them. Nick Griffin happens to be one of them. Um, Perielle is still is still getting getting. Uh, you know, she's still getting her feet wet in the business. But uh, we'll see where that goes. Because um, it does take. But I, I think if you look at comedians that you perceive as writing good jokes and their IQs, you will see a pretty good correlation now. But there's other things to being a comedian than writing good jokes. I can't do impressions very well. I do them OK, not amazingly. Um, but impressions, I wouldn't imagine, have anything to do with IQ. Um, you know, Sam Kinison, you know, he used to scream. Um, his jokes were good, but they were augmented by that scream. And that scream, I don't think, is intelligence related. It, it's 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 a performance. There's perform comedians who perform well, who can do it not just impressions, but characters um, can 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 you know um, do act outs. We call it where they act out a situation. So so, but in terms of raw joke writing, I think you'll find a pretty clear correlation between comedians that are considered good joke writers and their IQs. Okay, that's it. That's all I have to say. Nick Griffin, if you have any comments. Well, I had one question about uh, how you would characterize ambition as opposed to intelligence. Is that a form of intelligence? These people who, because we, all, we all know of comics who are really, really good and they don't have the, the drive, that kind of pursuit of excellence that others do that other lesser talented people have. I mean, where does that come from? Is that something you're, you're kind of uh, nurtured in early life were to kind of be that way? Or is that something that's just a part of you uh, that kind of ambition or pursuit? In a way you're, you're asking about what it takes to be successful at something. Yes, please help us. And, and to be successful <laughs> at something often requires uh, a good amount of G or a minimum amount of G, depending on what you want to be good at. The more complex the job, the more G matters, as you can imagine. You want to be a theoretical physicist? You need some G, you know? Uh, I would say for a comedian, 120 is more than enough. I would say probably <laughs> 115 is all you really need. And then some good hustle. That's probably correct because, uh, and that those numbers might be true for just about any vocation you're, you're talking about. Um, but your question was about ambition because in addition to G, if you just have G and no ambition 
and no personality and no ability to do anything with it, what you got is G and you can sit home with your G and answer Jeopardy questions. And that is not a terrible thing. But if you wanna go out into the world and be successful in real world things, you need things in addition to G, like ambition. Now, by the way, integrity. You, you said you said something. You, you said yeah. something interesting there. Maybe it was just a because uh, you didn't you weren't careful with the thing off the top of your head. But you you used Jeopardy. But Jeopardy to me is almost the, the most the best example of a pure memory task. So it's almost not. Uh, is that is that a G task? Is Jeopardy a is, is Jeopardy a good measure of general intelligence? The, uh, it is uh, because how much you know, how much you've learned, how much you've retained is part mm -hmm. of the G factor. So people with high G know a lot of stuff, you know, and uh, how they know it is not so clear. They may have learned it back in high school and yeah. they just kind of remember it, but they remember it quickly and Remember Jeopardy, the questions in Jeopardy, which are your answer has to be in the form of a question, but the prompts in Jeopardy are a little verbally complex sometimes. It's not as straightforward, who is the king of England in 1415? It was, it's more nuanced. Okay, so some, some quick questions now. Sense of direction, this correlates to general intelligence? I don't think so. I don't. I don't recall any studies. Um, sense of direction is interesting. It's, it's sometimes called navigation ability, and um, I, I like like all things like that. G can be a component, but I don't know that there's a strong relationship between the two. Yeah, I get. I am so glad to hear you say that because I have the worst sense of direction. What a, what a surprise! My my my, uh, <laughs> my my sense of direction can get screwed up sometimes. You know, sometimes I think of my my brain in, in as as a, as like there's an engine, like a processor, which I which I consider you know to be pretty good, but certain pathways to that processor are not so good and. So like if, if so if I can get the inputs in, in in a way that I can comprehend them into that processor, I will be very good at reading a map or whatever it is. But if this problem I have, like I sometimes reverse things, I'll sometimes reverse in my I'll look at a clock and I get three o'clock and nine o'clock reverse, whatever it is, especially if I'm tired. And and if and if I can't get past that, then garbage in, garbage out. Then even if I then then I can't bring my G to bear. And I and I feel like there are certain ways that certain things get into your brain and some of it and and those can also be better and worse in people and that and and that can be a, another factor that's my, just my own intuitive feeling of like really thinking about what i'm good at and what i'm not good at and where i fail and i always feel like if i can get my mind around the basic variables of something i can reason very very well but sometimes for some reason like i just picture things you know, reversed. Like I'll picture walking down a stair and it's hard for me to picture walking around the other way. And some days I can do it and some days I can't. But, and if I can do it, I can do everything right. Is, is that, is that, is, is there any theory that sounds like that? 
I don't know any theory that would have for you. No, I, I'm afraid I don't. Uh, but I can make one up. I mean, well, you heard it here first. How's that? You heard it here first. Um, let me ask you this: What is what is neuroplasticity? It sounds like some sounds like something people uh, rationalize. Is is it really true? Well, it's a general term that refers to the the fact that the brain changes. Whether when you learn something, your brain changes over time as you mature and get older, your brain changes. So the brain is not a static organ. Um, I don't know that your liver, for example, is plastic or your kidneys are plastic in the same sense that brain plasticity implies. Right. But, but is there a tension between the idea that your IQ is fixed based on your genetics, but you can work on something and your brain changes? Some people like to think so. They like to make that argument, but there's no real evidence for it. I mean, your, your IQ scores are pretty stable over, over the long periods of time, over decades. You know, let me just tell you, there was a, a really fascinating study in Scotland that started in the 1930s. Some researchers gave every single 11-year-old in Scotland, not a sample, all of them, every kid, tens of thousands, an IQ test on the same day when they're 11 years old. Okay. Now, this was in the 1930s. Those, many of those people are still alive and they're still being studied. And- uh, but they were 11 you know, years I, old in 1930, very few are still alive, I would imagine. Uh, in, well, let me, I'll come back to that in a second uh, because their IQ score at age 11 predicts their mortality. Uh -huh. let me, I'm saying it now so you remind me to come back to it. The point that I wanted to make was when they take another IQ test in their 70s, the two are highly correlated. So there's a lot of stability from age 11 to age 75. Now, if you take all the, the kids at age 11 and you, you divide them now as adults into, into quartiles based on their IQ score at age 11, more people are alive at age 75 in the highest IQ quartile than in the lowest. It's true for men and for women. Um, in, in men, about 50, about, I think it was about 50% of men in the highest IQ quartile are still alive at, at 75, compared to only 35% in the lowest quartile. And the numbers are, are similar in, in women. Uh, I think they're a little stronger in women, actually. Is that because they do? By the way, is in a country that has national health care. So everybody gets access to health care. And yet there's something about having a higher IQ over the long run that increases your odds of staying alive longer. Well, I mean, things that come to mind would be fewer dumb accidents and then being better informed on how to take care of yourself and uh, reading the, reading the newspapers on what's, you know, not healthy for you and being able all those to things comprehend have been it. Studied. Yeah. All yeah. those things have been studied. It's not so clear. And there's some evidence that whatever the genes, we haven't really talked about the genetic aspects of intelligence and, and the G factor, but it could be that whatever the genes are that lead to higher IQ are also genes that lead to better health.
Is, is there a relationship wow. between IQ and, and the onset of dementia? Do smarter people less likely to get dementia? I mean, in my it's personal experience, it doesn't seem to be the case, but I'm wondering if there's any literature on that. This, oh, there's a ton of literature on this. I mean, it's very interesting. It seems that higher IQ people, it takes longer to see the deterioration and get a diagnosis in higher IQ people. This is a concept called cognitive reserve. And the story that goes around to illustrate this, I'm not sure it's a true story, is that there was a mathematician who went to see his doctor and said, you know, I used to be able to multiply two four-digit numbers together in my head, but there's something wrong. I can now only multiply two three-digit numbers together in my head. You know, so, you know, multi, you know, two three-digit numbers in your head is pretty hard. Yeah, there's yeah. a similar story yeah. about a guy that went to the doctor and he said, and the doctor said, uh, yeah, you're you're you uh you're gonna die in ten, and he's and the guy says, ten what nine? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's I think that's true. Well, well, I because I I I mean, I, listen, I, you get in your sixties, you're supposed to slow down, but I noticed that um, the part of me which used to be able to generate um, a, 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 an answer to an arithmetic problem, even a fairly complex one that was you know touched on algebra in some way, it would just come to me. It would often just come to me or come to me very very quickly. That is not reliable anymore. I can still figure it out. I don't have any trouble figuring it out. But the 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 part behind the curtain that I don't really have access to, which would which would just uh, expectorate the answer, whatever the word is, uh, that is not reliable as it used to be. I like to think it's because I don't do math like I used to, whatever it is. But deep down, I know that's not the reason. <laughs> I'm afraid to tell you that yeah. uh, there's very clear research um, that after age 60, your mental speed really starts to decrease. Yeah. It really peaks in your 20s. Yeah. And this is why Jeopardy used to have a special tournament for seniors. It's not yeah. that they didn't know the answer, but their reaction times are just slower. Go ahead. Well, I've noticed I'm not quite 60. I'm in my 50s. But uh, I certainly don't think that my joke writing ability is less. And in fact, I think I'm writing better jokes. Maybe it's just because I'm better i have more experience at it but no, you're I, not 60 dan i understand that but i i'm not seeing any <laughs> decline yet uh, that's right talking about mental speed now, thank, thank god it you know thank god writing good jokes isn't really that important anyway you know just gotta keep go ahead there are different uh, trajectories in different professions yeah. So some architects like Frank Lloyd Wright do some of their best work in their 80s uh, and even 90s. Mathematicians, uh, the really good mathematicians can, can peak in their 30s. Um, so uh, it depends on what kind of mental activities you're, you're doing. Now, two, two questions. What about alcohol? How bad, how bad is it for you? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't preach anything, you know, but, um, uh, as I understand it, I don't know the research on this, but as I understand it, uh, alcohol doesn't help the aging process. <laughs> okay. And what about a loss of hearing from, I have, I have noise related hearing loss. I know there's correlations, but the causation is, is not 
determined. What's your feeling about that? Uh, nowadays, if you have hearing loss, you know, I wear a hearing aid in each ear and have for a long time. Uh, if you if you have hearing loss and you don't have hearing aids, the hearing loss gets worse. Mm -hmm. And people say, I don't know what the research uh, is on this, that uh, if you don't hear well and you can't participate in conversations and social activities, that makes you more vulnerable to uh, to to cognitive aging. So. Uh Phrenology, the idea that a bigger brain or a bigger head, I guess, uh, it makes people smarter. I've read somewhere that there is some a little bit of grain of truth to that. There's more than a grain. Of, the problem is you called it phrenology. Let's take the word phrenology out of it because that's something slightly different. But it is true that there is a very robust correlation of around 0.4 between brain size and IQ. It, it, and that's very reliable. It's been known for for decades. Yeah, but does somebody have a big head? More likely to have a big, a big, a larger size brain. If you have a bigger head, you'll have a bigger brain. But the head circumference is not a great measure of brain volume. But MRI scans, with the advent of MRI, uh, the old criticisms of research that was based on head circumference and IQ. That's been supplanted by very sophisticated brain imaging. I used to do brain imaging research. So uh, there definitely is uh, something to bigger brains, smarter people. But I also add some of my own research uh, showed that the more efficient brains were related to higher IQ. So that it wasn't how hard your brain was working necessarily that was related to how smart you were but how efficiently your brain was working. So we really uh, haven't gotten into the actual interesting research. I just want to say one thing before you have to leave, because you asked me, can you improve, improve IQ? And I said, the short answer was, was no, but this is where research is going to increase the G factor. So I have said, and not all intelligence researchers agree with me, that the ultimate goal of all intelligence research is to be able to increase the G factor. We don't know how to do that by, by uh, giving uh, young children uh, educational toys doesn't really seem to do much, uh, or an enriched environment really doesn't seem to do much. Uh, it seems to be more with a genetic unfolding so that if we want to uh, think seriously about increasing intelligence, we have to understand the neurobiology underneath it uh, on a real molecular biology level. We have to understand synapses, we have to understand neurotransmitters, and there is research now uh, tying uh, not just brain imaging and, and kind of a, a mega look, but also uh, synapses and neurons, differences in neurons to uh, intelligence. There's if a I, big if distance. I, if I were to wake up tomorrow. Neuron and intelligence, but it's not a, 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 an unknowable set of events between those things. I would wake up tomorrow. You, 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 they figured out some way to, to, to enhance IQ or G biologically, and you, and, and you gave me a pill, and I woke up tomorrow with a with 180 IQ or you know with much higher IQ how, how quickly how would i even when would i notice what, what what how would i 
How might I first notice this? Would it, it would probably take weeks before I even realized. Well, your jokes might be better. <laughs> or worse. <laughs> or worse. <laughs> you got to watch that, what's that movie with Ernest Borg? Borg Flowers, you know, you're, you're, Flowers, Flowers for Algernon, yeah. yeah well, yeah, you know, you're right about that. It's not, it's not clear which direction that might go. Uh, but, but you would notice a difference right away in how quickly you caught on to things. Yeah. You know, and we, um, you and you and you may uh, become a better investor, for example, or or something. I, I don't know. But there are there is a big difference. Having an IQ of 180, let's say, well, what would it be like to see the way the world, the way Einstein saw the world? I don't know if his IQ was 180, but it, it was pretty. I, I, I suspect that our. Do you know Tyler Cowen? I suspect his IQ is. Uh... In there. Now, listen, Dan, I'll, I'll answer your question a different way. Imagine Periel woke up with an IQ of 180. You think you notice the difference? <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, I was I was waiting for you to chime in with some I, I, like that. I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say my husband would dream to not be able to hear anything. All right. Well, uh, I guess I had one. I had one last question, but I can't, I can't know him that you didn't ask about me. No, a musician and I'm surprised he didn't ask. If there's any relationship between musical ability and IQ, but he didn't. Oh, I, I do know my last question. You can ask that because my wife's going to kill me. I saw the movie Oppenheimer uh, yesterday. I, I paid for everybody. And, um, <laughs> uh, but you couldn't, it, it, could, it could be lost on no one that this is a story of what seemed to me Ashkenazi Jews, just one after another, after another, after another, after another. Uh, a small, small po portion of the world's population. Is that genetic? What is going on there? There's a, there's a lot written about that. And uh, uh, people have been trying to understand what, what the actual genes might be, what the genes do. Uh, genes play a role in intelligence and the frequency of the so-called uh, intelligence genes, and there are no genes for intelligence. I mean, genes make pro proteins and there's a whole thing about proteins and the brain and brain chemistry and neurobiology. I mean, you start with down here in the brain and you wind up with theoretical physics. I mean, that's right. a long way to go. Uh, a lot has been written about why some people are smarter than others and whether some groups have uh, different frequencies of the relevant genes. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get you into trouble because it's a, it's a very, very fraught issue. And I would say I read I'm, I'm open to a lot of things, but I read Charles Murray's last book, which was like Facing Reality. And and I was actually quite turned off. I imagine he might be a friend of yours and yeah, I could write you off uh, off uh, line what I what I felt. But I, I was I was turned off by the direction that he went. And I, I thought that it was was dangerous. But having said that one can't help but observe um, certain things and, and wonder what the hell is going on there. I have to go and I apologize because uh, I, I'm on vacation and I have a, an event I have to attend, but I would invite you guys to go on for a few more minutes because Mr. Hare, you're a fantastic resource here. And this is the most interesting of, of topics as far as I'm concerned. I think everybody is fascinated. Every parent is fascinated. Every, every person who questions their own, ability and wonders what they're capable of and what they could be capable of is interested in this stuff. So if you guys have a few more questions, please 
go on. I don't know if you're in New York, Periel, if he is, or anywhere we can ever get to meet him in person. That would be wonderful. But but um, very, very nice to meet you, sir. And I, I really appreciate it. And I'll well, likewise, and I'm sorry you're leaving because I'm just about to explain how you can become smarter. But these guys... <laughs> 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 well, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> uh, are were you kidding, Dr. High? Are you Dr. Hire? Uh, I have a PhD, so you can call me rich. Doctor Hire, as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, um, were you about to tell us how to become more intelligent, or you were just uh... no? But you know, I'm fascinated with you know. You brought up the IQ pill, and I have given a lot of public lectures about um, IQ and intelligence. And I often ask the audience um, if there was an, uh, a pill you could take with no side effects, and it would increase your IQ by, you know, a standard deviation, which is 15 points, which is a lot, <laughs> would you take the pill? And then I would ask, okay, while you're thinking about this, suppose I had two pills and you could only take one. One would increase your IQ, the other would increase your charisma. Which would you take? I will put that, Nick, you haven't spoken in a while. Let's let you answer that. Charisma in a heartbeat, yeah, definitely. And, uh... Yeah. Well, I'm a comedian, so I don't need those extra 15 points. Um, that, that's not uh, that's not the uh, determining factors I mentioned earlier in, you know, in comedy. So I guess I would take the charisma. On the other hand, the 15 extra points, if I could become a better investor. You know, uh, may, maybe that would uh, I'm looking at the bottom line here. What's most likely to get me some cash? Yeah. I don't think being more intelligent is going to make me happier. I want so, so if it's not going to make me happier, at least I need some cash. If it's yeah. going to make me happier, well, I, I guess think... that, that's that's really the question, though. I mean, there's that. Yeah, ultimately, that we're adage. looking for happiness. So, fifty. I don't think an extra fifteen is going to make me happier. Well, Will what make... what about this idea that being ign ignorance is bliss? I mean, is there is there any truth to that? Does being more intelligent lead to more? problems because the more aware you are of how awful everything is just more depressing well so let me ask you this while we're thinking about answers to these questions suppose um you have I the take a pill and just get a million dollars cash in a briefcase well let me <laughs> let me ask you would you give your kid uh or uh, your nephew or, or some child that you know would you give them an iq pill Especially if the other wow, that's a school, good question. Especially if the other kids in school were taking one. Um, well, it depends what he's starting off with. If he's just a dope, God bless him. Uh, <laughs> I give him the pill. If he's already working with, if he's work, I mean, if he's working with one thirty, one twenty five, I probably leave it at that. Uh, I mean, is there a correlation? Again, the bottom line is human happiness. That's kind of what we're all after. And is there reason to believe that he'll be happier with that extra 15 points? If say he's already got 125, 130, or even 120, you know. Yeah. Whatever the relationship is between intelligence and happiness, it's not so strong that you could predict for any individual whether more IQ would make them more or less happy. Because you're right, more IQ, more opportunities, more opportunities, more problems, more problems, more anxiety. You know, it's uh, it's a mixed uh, it's mixed. I will tell you when. So I, what do most people? What do most people say when you ask that question? What do they pick? In a audience of academics, and I once gave this talk in a room full of theoretical physicists. 
all hands want more IQ. Wow. <laughs> instant, instant. Just an ego they want thing more or? intelligence. And when I talk to the public, more hands go up for charisma. Wow, that makes sense. But again, we talk specifically to comedians, and you know, I think that I think Nick and I our joke writing ability is as good as it needs to be. And so I don't think there's much marginal benefit for for to, you know for more IQ. So we pick No, you guys need to work on your social media, not on your joke writing. Okay, so I don't I don't know if that would be charisma or or just work ethic or 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 what that would be. But um on the other hand as I said before, if, if that higher IQ could make me a better investor um or perhaps perhaps a better writer in terms of books and scripts you know, outside of pure stand-up, maybe that would be of benefit. I would be interested to know, you don't have to name names, but I would be interested to know of all the comedians and joke writers you know, do you think the best ones are also the smartest? Well, I think the best joke writers mm. are the smartest, as I was saying earlier, but there's more to being a great comedian than just writing a good joke. Well, of course, yeah. Um, you know, so there, there, there's, there's performance ability that, you know, um, also, it's like, um, I don't know if they're the best, but they're the, my favorite types are more joke writer types. But I can appreciate, you know, guy with a lot of, or female with a lot of charisma. It just uh, it feels like the, they're in the same, you know, we're in the same kind of uh, lane when you're, you know, talking about joke writing, you know, I always keep my eye out. That, that, well, you know, some comics also just have more interesting stories. John Mulaney did a special. Now, I'm sure he's very intelligent, but he also happens to be a drug addict. And he talked about that and he talked about rehab. And he that was just engaging because of what he lived through, which has nothing to do with, with, his, with his intelligence. Um, we're talking about Keith Robinson, who's who had a stroke and it's fascinating to hear him on stage dealing with that. So that that's another factor. There's the joke writing, the performance and the stories that you, the life you've lived, the life you've lived is a factor in terms of how good a comedian you are. So those non G related factors, you know, are, are relevant, but in terms of pure joke writing, yes, I think there's a correlation with intelligence. So, I don't know if you have anything to say about that. Is, is there, is there, we know that an IQ can, can, can get you further in your career. Is there an intrinsic happiness that people have that are more intelligent, irrespective of income? Just is being intelligent in and of itself, does that make you happy? It's not so clear. You know, there's another, you know, I talked about the study in Scotland. There's another longitudinal study that started at Johns Hopkins in the 1970s when I was a graduate student there. And it was uh, on mathematically precocious kids. And they gave a bunch of 12 year olds uh, the SAT math test. And they identified a bunch of 12 year olds who scored as high on the SAT math as freshmen at Hopkins. Well, these wow. were pretty precocious. It's a long story, but essentially they have just done a 50-year follow-up of those kids. All right? Wow. So this is now based on one test score at age 12 on SAT math. In, in 1970. 
1970. Okay, so those kids really are in their, they're in their 60s, these kids. Yeah. yeah. And so they've had, some of them are, are a little older. They've had careers, um, and they many of them are, have done quite well, and um, uh, as you would expect. And a lot of them, you know, they all have the, the same vicissitudes of life as everybody, the same difficulties. But they tend to be happy in their in their work in their lives, whether that's due to their intelligence or their general success. Hard to know. Hard. So it's hard to answer that question. There's an episode, a funny episode of The Simpsons, where Homer gets a a, a crayon stuck in his nose. <laughs> <laughs> or no, he has a crayon stuck in his nose. Like they find out the only reason he's so dumb is because of this crayon. So they take it out. And then he becomes, now he's really intelligent and he's sitting through a movie and everybody's howling. <laughs> and, and he's like, this is dumb and stupid. And he, and he says, yeah, I want the crayon back. <laughs> How did I miss that episode? Well, Google. How did I miss that episode? Easy to find, you know? Yeah. I will have to watch that. Um, so you know, <laughs> there, there is that. On the other hand, sometimes I do get certain satisfaction, you know, uh, you know, in intellectual pursuits, I don't know overall, you know. Yeah, I don't get, I mean, I, I just feel like the older I get, the more thinking doesn't really help my day-to-day -day kind of uh, mental well-being. Yeah, mental well-being. Perfect. I, I just. Well, let me, let me ask you this. If you could give up 15 IQ points, but you and knew that you would here? suffer less. Uh, that's an interesting question. I've, I've asked would myself, you do it? would I give, would I be dumb? But if you told me I'd be dumb, but I'd be happy. And the logical answer is, of course, you should take, say, or ha happier, happier. Yes. Happier. As soon Not as necessarily make, happy. As soon as happier. you make the deal, whatever it is, as soon as you make the deal, you'll be glad you did because you'll be happier. And yet I don't think. Well, I'm or you're a moron. <laughs> What I'm saying is, <laughs> is if you said to me, I'll make you dumb, but happy. I wouldn't take the deal, but I should. Mm. Logic mm. dictates that, of course, I should do that. So and I'm going to modify my talks now. I'm going to ask. Yeah. IQ pill to make you smarter, charisma, or IQ pill that makes you dumber. Right. But the, yeah, yeah. But, but the dumb in the nose. Yeah. Where the dumb we, could do an <laughs> okay. we, could, we could do an experiment on this. All you have to do is uh, stop doing what you're doing for a month and watch uh, certain TV channels that are kind of mindless for your entertainment. Just, you know, binge, binge on something that's kind of fluffy and yeah, the bachelor, the bachelor value at all. The bachelor. Something like that. Yeah. See how see if you feel better after a month. No, it sounds awful. It sounds like turning your brain into garbage. Well, I've I've enjoyed The Bachelor on on occasion. I have not. I went to a friend of mine's house. I have not watched it. I went so a friend I don't of mine's house and she put on The Bachelor. I said, "What is this fuck? I'm not going to watch this shit." And then thirty minutes later, I'm transfixed. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think that's. Uh, now you see, I see, I I feel the same way about watching Nova. Mm -hmm. You don't even know what Nova is. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, know. I what remember. Nova is. I remember Nova. That's still on the. 
I think it's on Netflix now. Okay, could be. It could be. All, oh, by the way, I will end. I, w- I do want to say that I read A Brief History of Time years ago, which is supposed to be a layman's guide to theoretical physics and uh, couldn't understand a word of it. Hilarious. So um, there's, the, the point is there's, so, no, there's no easy way to explain the origin of the universe. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway. Uh, I had the same experience with that book, by the way. Yeah. And everyone I know who bought the book says the same thing. It's not a simple book. It's no. just not. It, it, it's, it's as simple as perhaps as it could be. But well, that's no- what, I think that's probably true because, I mean, the concepts are so mind-bending that it's really hard to get your head and, around. And maybe for a guy like Hawking, who wrote the book, he thought, oh, any moron can understand this book. Because to him, maybe, <laughs> he, he dumbed it down to a level that for him seems so easy at not realizing that that dumb for him is beyond everybody else's, you know, comprehension. Anyway, he paid a, you know, he, I'm sure he would have preferred to be dumber and able-bodied if you gave him that pill, but who knows? He's not around to uh, ask that question, but. Um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he, maybe. Well, I did see the Simpsons episode that featured him. I did not. Mm. Oh yeah, that's right. There was a Simpsons episode where he was. Yeah, you know, there was. Where like all these smart people were like, you know, bragging about being smart. And then he kind of walks in in his wheelchair and says, now you're all idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway. Okay, let's say, Rich, where can people find you in your work? Uh, my website is richardhire.com. They can um, Google me, uh, get a bunch of links. They can go on Amazon. I have a couple of books on intelligence that are really written as introductory books. No jargon, uh, pretty clear language. Talk about the G factor, talk about uh, brain imaging talk about uh, genetics, um, a lot more than we got into today, but um, uh, I'm easy to find on the web. Yeah, I think your book is the, the Neuroscience of Intelligence is one of your books? It is. Second edition just came out. The other book that just came out is called The Science of Human Intelligence. And uh, the, 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 the Science of Human Intelligence talks about aging, talks about sex differences, um, talks about national differences. Uh, the neuroscience of intelligence uh, focuses on genetics and brain imaging. Okay, so the neuroscience of intelligence, uh, if you're interested in genetics and brain images, if you're looking for lighter fare, Periel Ashenbrand wrote a book called On My Knees, and uh, that is available <laughs> on Amazon as well. And I have now, uh, Dr. Heyer, you can imagine that On My Knees, I don't have to Spell it out for you. That's a book about a young lady's sexual awakening. Um, not really. No, no. Have you read it yet? You I, still I have, haven't I have even read it. Done so. He's reading it the night he watches Gary Goldman's uh, special. Exactly, exactly. And Nick Griffin has a new special out on YouTube called "Absolutely Wonderful." Absolutely wonderful. Um, from from one of the the better joke writers that we have here at the Comedy Cellar. Thank you. Yes. Um, and and I guess that's okay. it. Uh, podcast at ComedySally.com for comments, questions, and suggestions. Thank you, Nicole Lyons, our sound wizard. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.